All right, we're back with Sex 101. I'm excited. Our second episode. This is cool. Yeah, like, let's I, do it. The first one was so fun. I just, you know, it, I mean, talking about sex is hard and and no pun intended. And it's, uh, you know, I think folks uh, sometimes don't know what to say, what to do, what to ask. And that's why this podcast is so awesome. We got some great listener questions this week. I mean, weren't you blown away? Yes. I was totally like actually cheerfully moved by the vulnerability of people writing in and sharing not just that surface level, but diving right into the depths and like the magic is in the depths. So I was so moved and so touched and really feels like it's like a val- an honored place to be. Yeah, I know. We, we've been going over the questions and we're like, well, man, these they are they are being vulnerable and open and honest and we're ready Amazing. to rock and roll. So that's really cool. Uh, we want to take a second, too. If you're new listening to the podcast, uh, first of all, um, I run the website marriagesupply.com. Is, we say it's the best uh, sex toy site on, on earth, especially online. Uh, so you can go there, marriagesupply.com. You can use co- code all over and get 10% off. And uh, I am Toby from the band Emory and I've led uh, uh, men's small groups. I used to run a thing called uh, the True Man Experience, and I've worked with men on all different levels. I've experienced so much just meeting people through the band and through my these events. And so uh, I've always thought I wish sex could be more uh, open and honest and conversational. And you know, growing up as a very conservative Christian, I mean, I grew up the, the <laughs> a very conservative Christian. Uh, we didn't talk about sex. Just said, don't do it until you get married and then it'll all work out. And that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> no. If anybody says, well, just, just don't do it and then it'll be awesome. That has never worked. Just don't play baseball. And then one day you'll be in the major <laughs> leagues. You know, that just Amazing. Yeah. not true. So, and then Stormy, reintroduce yourself a little bit. Hi, you guys. I'm so excited to have everyone here listening and watching. Uh, I'm Dr. Stormy Hill and I'm a certified sex and intimacy coach. And I coach men, women, and couples in all realms of intimacy with a focus on sexual intimacy as well as sacred sexuality. Uh, we also uh, offer online courses and we just launched a lube. And so just lots of fun things in the realm of sex and sexuality. It, besides being a mama to an amazing uh, young adult, 18 year old uh, with, with autism, uh, this work is my greatest passion. And he likes to remind me that sex is not everyone's favorite subject to talk about, but it is mine. And so <laughs> I love doing this work and it's just really a pleasure to, to interact with you all and to hear your vulnerable questions. I'm so grateful for them. All right, well, let's get into it. We're going to start the show uh, this week with, uh, I was, I, I want to answer listener questions. And then I think we both want to also see if we can educate or learn something and something that I did not know at all. I did not know this because I was making a joke on my podcast this week. You know, you always hear like big dick energy, but you never hear like big vagina energy. Or, or <laughs> And I was like, oh, is, could that be a thing? And so, because I was like, you know, maybe a lady with a big vagina, maybe, she, you know, she's walking around, she's confident. She's, I don't know, that probably doesn't work the same way, but I was just thinking <laughs> that in my mind. And so I did a little research and I found this on the pelvic PT. And Stormy, I'm sure you can elaborate on this too. Did you know that the clitoris is way larger than that little nub on the top of your lady parts. Uh, it's part of a larger system of erectile tissue. Uh, there are two shafts, the crura, C-R-U-R-A, yep. I'm saying that uh-huh. wrong, uh, no, that are about, about four inches long, that are under the labia and the inner outer lips of the, that's the inner outer lips of the vulva. And that's what plumps the lips up during arousal. But wait, there's more. The urethral <laughs> and per, uh, perineal, is that right? Perineal, uh-huh. perineal. 
Uh, sponge sponges at the top and bottom of the vagina are also erectile tissue. The former is upwards, uh, also considered the G spot area, and the latter is between the vaginal opening and the rectum. Because they encircle the vagina, penetrative sex can induce orgasm for some uh, for some ways, uh, women. And then uh, lastly, there's an extra fact here. I didn't know this. The clitoris is the only organ solely devoted to pleasure, and it has eight thousand uh, yes, nerve is. <laughs> That is crazy. The penis only has four thousand. Uh huh. You want, so I'm going to add to like the amazing clip facts <laughs> because the clitoris is an amazing organ whose sole purpose is pleasure. Like that wow. is so cool. And for all those of you that are watching, I'm wearing my clitoris ring right now. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's how magical it is. I'm going to take it, take it off so you can see. But just like Toby explained, if you're just listening, that there is crura and there's cavernosa to the clitoris. So what you see, the little the little head that you see is just the glands of the clitoris, similar to the glands of the penis. And 85% of the clitoris is underneath, is inside the body. And so it really like it's really an incredible organ. That wasn't even anatomically represented correctly in medical textbooks until 2005 with like um, wow. uh, magnetic resonance imaging with MRIs of the clitoris and stuff. So we're catching up, but there's a lot of clit shaming that is very much deep in our culture. And so I, I just found out through my research that this Clitoris Awareness Week in May. Woo oh, we wow. <laughs> in May. All right. Celebrate the clitoris for a whole week. So that is pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I think you just mentioned, Toby, that in the just the head of the clitoris, there's 8,000 nerve endings, which is more than double the nerve endings in the whole penis, right? And we're not, it's not a competition, but it's, yeah. it's just kind of an interesting <laughs> thing as to how sensitive the clitoris is, which also some of you women, uh, some of you vagina owners out there who are listening might say, my clitoris is too sensitive. And that we'll kind of get into that a little bit here in a minute, but that can be a thing, right? It can feel because it has got so many nerve endings, it can be overly sensitive. And then there's ways to work with that. But just like you said, Toby, it engorges and swells similar, like by 300%. It's erectile tissue, just like the penis, similar to the penis in that way. And does that mean it it can kind of get a little harder, right? Like, can it kind of become a wreck? Absolutely. It engorges. It's also kind of interesting. The one part of our body for all you vagina owners out there who that doesn't age. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't age. It acts, a 20 year old clitoris acts the exact same as a 70 year old clitoris. So that we got that going for us too. So <laughs> the penis definitely ages. The uh-huh. penis definitely <laughs> ages. That, yeah. It, 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 it gets older for sure. And That's- then listen to this. I found this because I love research. I said that the in medieval times, the clitoris was called the devil's teat because it is so magical that it was like to entice men into like bad things. I'm not sure what those bad things are, but that's what it was called in medieval times was the devil's teat. Wow. <laughs> that's probably what they call it in the church I grew up in. <laughs> now, I, I wanted to ask you a, a, another question, just going back to what you said a minute ago. So sometimes when you say that the clitoris can feel just too sensitive, does that mean it actually, it's just too much? Like it, like uh, w- when you, when you say that, that means it's not pleasurable sometimes if you overstimulate it or stimulate it too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it varies from, you know, clitoris to clitoris, but I think what for what happens for a lot of uh, clitoris owners is that it's like too direct, too fast, right? So at, because it's erectile tissue and because it engorges and as it gets aroused um, and that spongy tissue that you mentioned as well, the, the more aroused a vagina owner is, what, what, that, what the vagina is, the more the clitoris will like 
be receptive to pleasure. And so it can be like too much too fast, or it can be too direct before, before there's too, there's enough level of arousal. Um, and then some, you know, some clitoris owners just don't like direct stimulation. It's too intense. And so that's, again, another place you're going to hear this throughout our podcast about communicating with your partner. You know, does that feel good? Like, listen to asking them, how does it feel when I touch your clitoris? How does that feel? Do you like that? Do you want lube? Do you not want lube? Because that's going to change the amount of friction. So, you know, it's really, but it's an incredible organ whose literally sole purpose is pleasure. And that's pretty amazing and pretty unique. So, yeah, 100%. And I guess my next question would be it to stimulate the clitoris should you don't should you never start with the clitoris like it, it, is it that you in order to get it started <laughs> being stimulated or engorged uh is it you shouldn't just go straight to it right like should you start with other foreplay before or is are some people just get right to it i you know i think it depends on your erotic language some people are like let's just get right to it they're a sexual as far as like erotic you know languages erotic blueprints and such but i think a good rule of thumb um is that you know, I always talk with my clients about tripling the length of your foreplay. We tend to go right to what we know works. And for a lot of women, they know that their clitoris is an essential component of orgasm. Um, but during, you know, when you're exploring with your partner to play, play, play around, play in other parts, have a makeout session, dry hump, all these amazing things that really build arousal and desire. And then your clitoris is more receptive to deeper pleasure, right? And, and yeah. for many vagina owners, the clitoris is an essential key to orgasm. Uh, to climax. And so, you know, it's, it's a great place to communicate with your partner. I think it's also, again, the magic that what you see, the little clitoris that you see is just the head, just literally the tip of the clitoris. So the clitoris is actually all throughout inside, throughout the, the labia of the vagina owner. And so that you can, there's so much other ways to stimulate the clitoris without direct stimulation of the head. Of the clitoris. Yeah. And is it true that most guys just don't know where it's at? I mean, that's, I don't, I, that joke makes me so sad because as a sex and intimacy coach, but you're right. The joke is what's the difference yeah. between a clitoris and Alaska. Most guys know where Alaska is, <laughs> you know, like, but that joke like breaks my heart because I don't think that's actually true. But so, you know, it, 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 I mean, let's just talk about it. Right. So where the, the head of the clitoris is, is right there up at the top under a little hood, right. That right where the, the labia meet. And, but then knowing that there's a whole network of tissue underneath inside that actually as, a, as, as the woman gets closer to climax, it sort of gives like the vagina a hug. And it's one of the reasons why it's also involved in G-spot orgasm rather than just direct clitoral, clitoral stimulation as well. Hmm. And then, okay. Last question I have on the clitoris. I was always told you're supposed to like, uh, when you're going down on your lady, um, you're supposed to like spell out the alphabet or like it <laughs> is that true like if you just moved in one movement like just a circle or up and down is that work or does is it better to mix it up and go from you know all different angles and directions great question so i mean anatomically right i mean i, I think if you know one clitoris you know one clitoris like it's really about finding out with your partner or yeah. partners like what, what, how sensitive is their clitoris? Is there a part of their clitoris? There typically is. Like if you think of the head of the clitoris as the face of a clock, right? That's the whole alphabet thing that you're hitting all the parts of the, the head of the clitoris, the glands of the clitoris. Um, there's usually a part of the face of that clock, clitoris clock, we'll call it, that's more sensitive, that feels <laughs> really clock. good or might feel too sensitive. <laughs> we might just, we might have just coined a term yeah. right there, but 
Um, and so again, listening to your partner's cues, listening to their breath, their moans, their groans, listening to direct feedback um, is a really great way to, to approach that. And then also remembering that you don't just have a tongue, you have lips and fingers and all these other parts that can be involved in really giving fabulous oral sex. All the parts of the clitoris as well as other parts of the of the vulva and vagina. And it. Okay, so and then there's the big debate, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bunch on the podcast and future episodes. But there is like the penetrative orgasm and the clitoral orgasm, and it seems to me, from what I've read, that the clitoral orgasm is more common or prevalent. Is that true? So that leads us right into our myth. It's really amazing, like little oh, yeah. segue. So our our myth that we're going to debunk today is that the myth is that most women orgasm from penetration alone. Okay, so from we're talking about penis and vagina intercourse or what we call unassisted intercourse. And that is a myth. Actually, it depends on which study you're reading, but kind of summarizing them, only 25% of women climax from penetration alone, meaning 75% do not. They need, they need wow. what we That's call assisted intercourse. Number. It's a huge number. It's a huge number. And for all of you vagina owners out there, like I want you to know if you don't climax from penetration alone, you're in the vast majority. You're, you're, you're the majority. And so, and if you do great, some women do, right? 25% of women, according to these studies do, but that's to your point, Toby, that's, that's suggesting that's showing us that the clitoris is such an important part that doesn't often get direct enough stimulation to bring a woman to, to orgasm or to climax with penetrative sex alone. So the importance of foreplay, the importance of playing with different positions. Um, there are penetrative sex positions that will stimulate the clitoris more than others using toys, right? Go to marriage supply, yeah. check out a toy that like helps with clitoral stimulation. There's so many ways to bring the clitoris in to, to really increase and enhance pleasure. Yeah. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast, I've been, you know, trying to, uh, do more research cause I want to keep up with you cause you know so much, but <laughs> I, I have found, uh, just from reading that folks are saying, because the missionary position has gotten kind of a bad rap. It's vanilla. It's boring. Don't do the missionary position, but it seems to be that, the man's pelvic bone while he's penetrating a woman can actually help stimulate the clitoris a lot. And actually that's a great position for clitoral orgasming, right? Amazing. Yeah. We call that the, the, like the clitoral alignment technique, but it's exactly what you're talking about. So it's take missionary, move the, the, the penis owner up, the, the man up a little farther so that his pelvic bone is, is against your, your mons of your vulva. Um, and then you'll actually get direct, you'll get, more direct clitoral stimulation. So that's a really great position. That's sort of like a, an adaptation of missionary. Um, and you know, it's, there's, again, to the point, there's so many ways to play with alignment in different positions that can stimulate the clitoris more. Yeah. And I think it, one of the big key things to remember is I think oftentimes men, at least from my experience, uh, working with men, talking to men, they really do want to pleasure their partner. They want totally. their partner to have, so, I mean, it, it feels so amazing if, you know, they orgasm or they feel so good and it, you know, the sex was awesome. But, uh, just like I was saying earlier, like I was taught, don't, you know, just don't have sex. And then one day it'll be amazing. You have to take it <laughs> slow and learn and laugh and cut up a little bit and, and try some things like it might not be, you might have to during sex practice some moves to see what actually is working. And it might not be, it might not seem in the moment so romantic or hot and heavy, but if you can go slow and kind of learn what each other's like, then later times that you're having sex, I think it will be a lot better. Totally. And I so appreciate you saying that. Like, why do we think what, what, 
book create, maybe it was culture, maybe it was messaging, maybe it was religious messaging, maybe it was patriarchal messaging, whatever it might be that let, made us think that we don't need to be curious, learn about and practice becoming amazing lovers is very, it really screwed us a lot of us up, right? Because like you said, yeah. you bring together two people or more people and you expect to not talk about it and have mind blowing time bending sex. Okay, maybe, maybe once in a really blue moon, but for the majority of us communicating about your needs, wants, and desires, learning about your own pleasure map, what turns you on, what brings you to orgasm separate from your partner, and then, and then being able to communicate about it. And like you said, Toby, also being able to laugh about it. Like it's awkward as shit. There's body fluids and smells and positioning and all these things. It can be so awkward, let alone trauma that can be involved or family of origin that can, you know, messaging that can be involved or pain or any of the other issues that that are present with us between the sheets. And so, you know, just to normalize, if you're out there, you're struggling with sex with your partner, you know, that is, you are, it is very normal. It is totally common. There's no part of you that is broken. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it just like in life, it is hard to communicate with just friends, coworkers, all that stuff. Of course, sex isn't going to be just the easiest thing to just talk about and communicate about. So just take your time Think about it. And also, I'm glad that you kind of busted this myth a little bit because a lot, I think a lot of people just think, let's go to pound town and then it's going to be great. <laughs> and then, you know, and that's not even good for the guys because the more that as soon as you start doing penetrative sex, your time limit starts decreasing. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. The guy's penis the is very is sensitive. The yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> so the faster you get to the penetrative sex, the quicker sex is going to be over anyway. So just take your time. And uh, yeah. So I think I appreciate you. That's, a great, that that's a great piece of advice. Taking your time, slowing it down, which is kind of counterintuitive, right? Counterintuitive yeah. to like, let's just get it. You know, and it can get that way. Like, let's just get it done. Like, let's just get to orgasm. But then also to take the pressure off of a lot of you men out there that you know, we just, I just presented that you to you most of the research that shows that 75% of women are not going to orgasm consistently or ever from penetration alone. And that's pretty, that's kind of, hopefully that kind of takes the pressure off of everyone, right? Like right. let's figure it out. There is a major difference. We call it the pleasure gap in my world of, of sex coaching, but between the men's anatomy of arousal and women's anatomy of arousal, and I'm sure we'll do a, some more podcasts on that. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're exactly right. That even helps with uh, men because a lot of times men feel inadequate with their penis size and they think, oh, no, uh, you know, we're, we're doing penetrative sex and it's not turning her on or, or le- leading her to orgasm. And oftentimes you're missing the thing that's right there on the front that, you know, and, and, I mean, it goes way longer and, and you can do, like you said, you can use all kinds of appendages to uh, stimulate that. So uh, exactly. Yeah. We do not just have one vulva or one penis. We have pants. Right. We have mouths, we have tongues, we have toys, we have so many things that we can do to really bridge that pleasure gap and to increase the pleasure that that both people in a partnership are experiencing. Yeah, 100%. All right, you want to get to some listener questions? Sure, let's do it. All right, so... Uh, we, like we said, we, we are getting amazing listener questions. And if you have a question that you want to send in to Dr. Stormy and I, then you can send it to, uh, Toby at marriage supply.com or Stormy, give them your email. They can send it to you as well. Yeah. You can send it to me at Stormy. So that's S T O R M Y at love deep lab.com. So love deep lab.com. All right. Uh, this first one's a two parter. We'll break them up into two different questions here. Uh, this comes from Clee Torres. Um, been married. 11 years, and we still both suck at talking dirty. Any advice for improving in this area? And I want to start with, it always is a little weird for me. It's been weird for me to talk dirty to any uh, 
the people that I've dated or married <laughs> uh, because you're hanging out, watching Netflix or fixing dinner for the kids, you're doing all this stuff. And then you got to go in there and go, suck my foot. You, uh, you, you, know, <laughs> you know, you think you got to be either tough or strong or manly or, you know, yeah, put that over here and stick it in that. And do, oh my God, you're hot. You know, you do all that. And then, you, and then all of a sudden you're laughing or, you know, your partner's laughing, spouse is laughing, girlfriend's laughing. And you're like, oh, I've totally blown it. So yeah, this one, I do think it's difficult sometimes because you want to be cool and sexy, but sometimes you say just, you know, Hey, you know, you like that wiener and you're like, oh, that, that sounds horrible. Like, it didn't even, I don't even like that. She starts thinking about like yeah. Oscar Mayer wiener song. Yeah. And yeah. It just, like, <laughs> you know what I read today? You got a humongous clitoris and that just doesn't <laughs> land. It doesn't land. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So what's the, so I what, love that intro because what I would say <laughs> is it's not always going to land. So I love this question. Thank you for writing this in, but talking dirty is a skill. It's a practice, right? So we don't typically just nail it the first time. No, no pun intended. Right. Right. It's by, like to, you know, but it is like, and I, I'm a total research nerd, but the research does suggest that the more you can communicate with your partner during sex, including dirty talk or pillow talk will increase your pleasure. So it's a great thing for everyone listening. You'd like to lean into and, and, you know, and, and explore. Um, it also makes sex more sensory, right? So if we're bringing in auditory, we're bringing in a whole nother sensory system, which makes for better sex, makes for deeper orgasms and better orgasms. So that's kind of the, the nerdy part of it. But then as far as like practical, uh, our senses is a great place to start. So you can, you don't have to like go with full on porn level, like dirty talk or, you know, kink dom dominatrix talk. It can be, keep it simple, keep it simple. And so you can start with things like also a good idea to like maybe start if it's new to you, like start over text because it feels a little bit safer. Oh, often that's a good idea. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can start over text and then be like, hey, babe, what'd you think about that text I sent you? And, you know, see what the feedback is on that. Um, and then also using our senses because people are like, I get asked by my clients, like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's like, well, you think about it. Think about it before you're going to say it. Like, be like, what would I say to her or him and, you know, or them in this situation? Um and it could be, if you think about the senses, it could be, right, look, the, the, what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you're touching. So if you think of your senses, it gives you a lot of fodder for the pillow talk, for the dirty talk. And it doesn't have to be triple X rated. Like it can be sexy as shit and be very PG-13, you know? Um, so you can, if you just know that you can keep it simple and start easy, that's that, you know, you don't have to have this like monologue that's like, you know, erotica level, <laughs> you know, dirty talk. So those are a few tips. And I just took some notes here too. Oh, also doing a lot more encouragement. So for all your parents out there, right? We think with our kids, we, we do six to one, six positive affirmations for one like negative feedback. It's a similar thing for sure with pillow talk. So rather than saying, don't do this, or I don't like this, right? That might be true. You're asking them not to, and you don't like something. It's just about framing it in the positive. So like, I love it when you do this or do more of this. You know, and then the, and that's the verbal. So keeping it really positive and affirmation and then also telling and showing are great ways to kind of get into the, like the dirty talk, the pillow talk. Mm, I like that. Um, yeah. So you're saying it's totally fine. Like when you're talking about dirty talk, it, it might be fine just to start out with, oh, my gosh, you're beautiful or oh, wow. Totally. Wow. This feels so good. Or you feel so good. Like start just kind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And think about again, back to your senses or like wow, you look amazing in that position, right? Like, you know, like, I love the look of your 
boobs in that position or whatever, like, right. Cause you're talking about what you're seeing. You can talk about what you're hearing. Like, I love the sound of your breath when you're turned on. Like, I love your grunts, whatever it could be anything. Right. So sticking with the senses, if you don't know what to say is a good place to start. And then, uh, for the men out there, the ladies like it when we, sometimes <laughs> I felt like, am, is my moaning sound like weak or not match? Like I'm ah, ooh, or, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I don't want to say, I want to, but then if I try to sound too mashed, it's like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like I, it's hard to navigate like what sounds manly and doesn't, you know, like sound like you might be having a heart attack or you sound yeah, like it, you know, you're, you're wimpy or something. Okay. So a couple of things that come up and this is the nerdy part of me coming up with like this, with the sensory part, but our, our um, auditory. So, our brain is, they say, is our greatest sex organ. I say that is also that is true, but it is also our greatest barrier to fabulous sex. So again, you're feeding the auditory component to the brain with dirty talk, right? Um, but it's a great question because it's we tend to be pretty nasally high up in our head, high up in our tone or our pitch when we're like not so sure. We're like toying the waters. We're testing the waters. This is men or women, and so to your point of like, you're sounding, you think it sounds like high pitch and then you drop it down too low and it sounds like you're like trying to primal it out or whatever. Um, so playing with tone and pitch is one of the things I have my clients do when they're, when they're practicing pillow talk, dirty talk. Um, but also the most important thing is being authentic, right? If you're trying it out, like, you know, it's fine if you want to try it on, but your sounds are your sounds. They are going to be sexy to your partner. And if they're not, that's okay. That is, they're still your sound. So never you know, never squelching your sounds. But what's interesting is culturally, we are very, and this isn't just women, but it's it's a little bit more intense for the women that I work with. Um, it's very like, oh, give it to me, baby. Like if anything, right? It's very yeah. like scripted. It's very words. So pillow talk does not have to be words. It can be just sounds. So practicing your voice, exercising your voice is a really beautiful way, not to sound too woo-woo, but I am totally woo-woo, is to like, bring it speak your truth right just really show how does your pleasure sound what what sounds do you make when you're really turned on because whatever you make is perfect and it's beautiful and it's super sexy yeah and i would add to that definitely experiment a little bit there's been times where uh me or our partner said something that we wouldn't normally and it did turn us on you know what i mean like i like we we said something that i that i or i said something i didn't think i was like i don't want to say that but i said it and then it kind of turned me on a little bit or my partner on a little bit. So don't, you know, don't just be negative and go, I will, I would never say that. Cause it might be something that could possibly lead to turning you on. Totally. That's a great thing. You're open the door. Maybe you say something that's like a little edgy and your partner's like, Ooh, do more of that. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's our, like, right. you know, but also like you mentioned earlier to being willing to like laugh, like it is not always going to land. It is not always going to be perfect, but if you can be like, <laughs> that was so awkward and laugh about it. Right. Well, now you're laughing about it, right? And maybe you tweak it the next time, or or that's not your that's not your turn on, right? Because not everything you say is going to turn on you. It's going to land in the way you want it to for your partner. But that's part of the growth. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, let's get to Clee's uh, second question. Along similar lines, what is the best approach to communicating about trying new things, experiences, toys, etc., in the bedroom in a way that's respectful but still honest and vulnerable? Oh my gosh, that is a juicy question, and we have a juicy answer, but you're going to have to hop over to the Sex 101 podcast feed uh, to hear that answer, and a few more as well. We're trying to get all of our listeners to move over to our main feed and our main spot, so if you wouldn't mind going over there, the link is in the bio, so go check it out. 